Hi everyone, welcome back to Water, Wind, Wine Ministry. It has been so long since I properly recorded a video and the reason I'm recording this inside and not outside is because it has been raining non-stop, not entirely non-stop, but a lot for the last several weeks and we have good news. It's not supposed to rain at all this coming week or next weekend, so amen. We are excited for sunshine. So this month, I want to talk about John. I'm calling it January because I want to talk about John. Not just John the disciple, but also John the baptizer. We're gonna start in John 1. Basically, this is just a Bible study, and I know that you're used to me, you know, doing crazy things on horses, using horses to relate to the Bible, to relate to your lives, but this month I am going to focus on studying the Bible, and we're going to start in John. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life, and that life, the life, was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There are a couple of things I want to point out. We know that this is talking about Jesus, and we're going to read a little bit more, and we're going to find out that it is talking about Jesus. But the first couple things I want to point out is that Jesus is the Word of God. And so when you put your faith in Jesus, or when you trust in Jesus, you're putting your faith also in the Word of God. So please remember that, that you're not just putting your faith in Jesus. Technically, He puts His faith in you, but we're not going to get into that. But you are putting your faith in the Word of God. So when you read the Bible, if you're a Christian, you are obligated as a Christian to believe what it says because you put your faith in the Word of God. That's number one. Number two, it says that He is the light of men and the light shines in the darkness. So the verse goes from past tense. It says, without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life and the light, excuse me, and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness. So it goes from past tense to present tense, and then it goes back to past tense. Watch this, it says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Well, why does it go from past tense to present tense to past tense? There are reasons for that. But the first thing I wanna point out is that Jesus is the light of men. He is what gives humans the light in their eyes. He's what gives them the spark of life, is Jesus Christ. Or, as we've just discussed, the Word of God. The Word of God is what gives life, physical life, to men. And what does that mean? If you look in Genesis, chapter 1, God creates everything, and the way He does it is by His Word. So the Word of God was with God in the beginning and was God. And this, of course, is Jesus. And so Jesus was in the beginning and Jesus is the Word and the Word was in the beginning. And the Word is what gives life to men. And actually, the Word still gives life to men and to everything that men need. 
And so men and women, you know that I am speaking of humans. And so what's really interesting about this is if you turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, you're going to see something really, really interesting. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, And God saw the light, that it was good. Now, if you look over at verse 14 of Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from night, and let them be for signs and seasons. So what lights in the firmament, firmament just means sky, divides the day and the night? Of course, the sun and the moon. But God said, let there be light in verse 3, but didn't create something from which the light would, would come until verse 14. So a couple of things I want to point out. Number one, God said, let there be light. In the original language, it actually says, light be. It doesn't say, let there be light. It says, light be. And incidentally, the universe is still, to this day, expanding at the speed of light. Because God said, light be. He never said, light don't be. Isn't that amazing? So this is the Word of God. The Word of God created the light. Jesus is the light of men. Jesus is what gives light and he's what gives life to men. The sun, even though it looks like where we get our light, it actually isn't where we get our light. It's Jesus that gives the light to the world. And I know some of you are going, what are you talking about? Of course we get our light from the sun. That's what some of you are saying. But I am telling you that that is not true. We get our light from Jesus Christ. Case in point, when Jesus Christ was on the cross and all of the sin of all the world for all time was laid upon him, he did not, what does it say? He was so marred that so beaten up, so wounded that he didn't even look human anymore. Because when you have sin on you, it takes away your form, it takes away your features, it takes away your beauty, your youth, your life, everything. And all the sin of all the world for all men, for all time was laid upon Jesus and he breathed his last and what happened? What happened was an astronomical anomaly in terms of scientific study is that the world, the entire world was dark for three hours. Why? Because the thing that gave light to the world had been snuffed out. It was actually in Sheol. Jesus was actually in Sheol, in, in the underworld. And so, if you think about that, if you think about how Jesus Christ is the light of men and he is the light of the world, literally the light, then what you will see is that, number one, the universe is still expanding at the speed of light, which, which is kind of, it's scientific, but it's also metaphorical, that the Word of God is still manifesting. The light that the Word gives is still expanding, which is incredible. That's the first thing I want you to see, and I know that that's a little bit esoteric, but look at it this way, too. In Revelation, it says that the earth will be dark. And it specifically says it after, I believe, where the rapture occurs. So if you believe 
that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And like I said at the beginning, if you are saved, then you are committed to believe the word of God. You've put your faith in Jesus, which means that you've put your faith in the word of God. So you believe that Jesus Christ was the light of the world, is the light of the world. And you believe that when you got saved or when another Christian got saved, that Jesus Christ came to dwell in men because he could now, because they were without sin, because all his sin was put on them, on him, excuse me, all their sin was put on him. So Jesus Christ lives in Christians. And they, I propose, now hold the light of the world. Even Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. Remember him, him saying that? And so when the rapture happens and all the Christians are extracted from the earth, Revelation records that it is dark on the earth and people will gnaw on their own tongues. This is incredible to think about, that when all the Christians are raptured, the world goes dark again. That is incredible. That's not what this uh, session is about, but that's just something to think about. So let's move on. John chapter one, verse six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, before I go any further, the book of John was written by an apostle named John. The guy he's talking about was not himself. He was talking about a guy named John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. His, that's not actually his name, but that's what we refer to him as. He was John the Baptizer. And this is the same John that is um, talked about in Luke chapter 1 when, when his father, Zechariah, is visited excuse me, by the angel. This is John, that John. This is John the Baptist, okay? So let's continue. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, or to bear witness of Jesus Christ, or to bear witness of the Word of God, that all through him might believe. So it's through Jesus that you believe. It's through the word of God that you believe. Notice it doesn't say that in him all men might believe. It doesn't say that we believe in Jesus or we believe in the word of God. We believe through Jesus. We believe through the word of God. The implications of that are astounding because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing literally that verse says hearing comes by the word of Christ. In other words, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes. You can begin to hear the word of Christ through the word of Christ. You get saved because somebody told you about salvation. Somebody told you about Jesus Christ. And so it's through the word of God that you believe, right? And so Jesus is the word of God. He is the light, and he is through which men believe unto salvation. And John came as a witness of that word. It says he was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9, that was the true light, meaning Jesus was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. That, now it's back to talking about Jesus, so just keep up. He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him. Remember, the world was made through the word of God, through Jesus, through the light. Okay, and it says, and the world did not know him. Now, when we talk about the world as a Christian, we talk about the world, 
are people who do not know Jesus Christ and then everybody else who does. That's, that's the designation. So when I'm talking about the world, I'm not talking about every human that's ever lived. I'm talking about people who don't know God as their personal Savior and Lord, okay? So it says, I'm going to go back to verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now remember, up in verse 3, it says, The light shines in the darkness. Remember, light shines. It didn't shine before. It shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Same here in verse uh, 12. It says, And his own did not receive him. So I'm putting these two verses together because I want to point out something. The word shines in verse 3 actually um, means to manifest. The word actually means to manifest. So it says, and the light manifests the darkness. The light manifests the darkness. Have you ever held two things next to each other that were both white? And one of them was dirty and the other one was clean. And if you didn't have the clean one to compare the dirty one to, the dirty one wouldn't look dirty. It would just look white. But when you compare it to the white one, you see how dirty the dirty one is. My point is, the, the lighter one, the whiter one, makes the dirty one really dirty. Okay? And so, this is what's happening. When Jesus comes into the world, he gives light to the, to the sons of men, and it says that it shines in the darkness. It manifests the darkness. In other words, the more there are Christians... The more there's the Word of God, the more anything that's not the Word of God, anyone who's not a Christian, is going to be apparent. They're going to be seen. They're going to be known. You will know who is not following Christ. You will know what things do not honor Christ. You are known. I mean, excuse me, those things are known to you the more of the Word of God that you are close to, that you are walking in, that you understand, because the more Jesus Christ is active in your life, the more you're manifesting the light of God, the more you can see where the darkness is. And it says, the darkness did not comprehend it. And that word comprehend, it means comprehend, but it also means overtake. The, the darkness did not overtake it. It doesn't say does not overtake it because it says, did not. In other words, this is a past event. So when you're fighting things, people think that we're fighting somebody, the devil, we're fighting an attack, we're fighting all this, and that, we, that there's a possibility that he might overtake us, that we might lose the battle, that we might lose the fight. And the only time you ever lose is when you think that way. Because the Bible says right here in past tense that... The darkness did not comprehend it, but the word actually means overtake it. The darkness did not overtake the light, didn't. And so that means that you are, I know that you've heard people say this before, you are operating from a place of victory, not trying to get victory. You already have it, it was already done and over with. Think about it like this. If you had an inheritance in the bank, that a great ancestor left for you and it was hundreds of thousands of dollars and you went to the bank to go get the money out, think of the devil like the banker who says, oh no, no, I don't think that you can have that and you may not be able to access that. And if you listen to him, you won't access the money. But if you stand up and say, no, 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 no. I have everything I need. 
All of my documents are right here. Here's proof. I'm the person. If you stand up for what's yours, you'll get what's yours. The devil is kind of like that banker that's trying to keep you away from the inheritance that was left for you. So it's already done. You don't have to look at it as being done or might be done or might not be done. It's already done. Okay, so let's continue. Um, in verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. Okay, so what's really interesting about this is that it says, As many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. See, in our culture, we think that when we receive Jesus, that's when we become children of God. That is not the truth. That's what gives us the right to become children of God. I bet you didn't think about that. And I would, I would ask you, as a Christian, when you received him, have you become his child? You know, when I was younger, I thought I was saved because I heard the word of the Lord. I understood some ministry. I knew that I had a call on my life. I started preaching when I was five years old. And and all these things pointed to the fact that I was God's, but it wasn't until I was much, much, much older that I actually became his daughter. I actually said to myself and to him, I want to be your child. But all that time before, he had given me the right to be his child, and that's why my life looked like it did, because I didn't actually put God in the place of Lord. He might have been my savior, but not my Lord. And so he's the savior of the world. You can make him your personal savior because he's the savior of the world. But if you don't make him your Lord, then you're not his child. He has to be your Lord, not just your savior. He has to be savior and Lord. Okay. And so, because he's everybody's savior, like that's his job. Okay. So, and I don't mean to be flippant, but, but truly. Okay. So then, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 13. Oh, so I have to read them together because they kind of go together. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. 13, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Meaning that your parents may have wanted you. Your parents may not have wanted you. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It is not your will that got you here. And it's honestly not anybody else's will that got you here either. It's God's will. He said, these people come into the earth, it's my will, and I want them to become my children. The people who are killed by their parents, that doesn't stop the fact that God wanted those people in this earth. He wanted them in this earth and he wanted them to be his children. Just because they didn't make it to adulthood doesn't mean that that wasn't God's intention. Okay. Verse 14. And the word became flesh. Aha, see, this is how we know it's Jesus. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, it goes back to 15. John, John the Baptist, bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, is prefer excuse me, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. John is saying that the word of God existed long before John existed. And so he's saying he's preferred before me. He has a place of authority over me. 
verse 16, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. If you, as a Christian, are a legalistic Christian, meaning that you think that you have to read the Bible, you have to go to church on Sunday, you can't cuss, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't have sex out of marriage, you can't all this stuff, because those things, or not doing those things, will get you to heaven, then you are a legalistic Christian. All of those things are good and bad in their place. Reading the Bible is very good, going to church, very good, smoking, not good, cussing, not good, fornicating, not good, shouldn't do. But those don't get you to heaven or keep you from heaven because grace and truth came through Jesus, but the law came through Moses. So if you are thinking that you have to do these certain things to get to heaven, you're in the Mosaic law. You're still back in the Old Testament and you don't want to be in the Old Testament because the Bible says that if you offend in one area, then you're guilty of the whole law. Meaning if you lie one time, you're guilty of killing people and breaking, not only killing people, but breaking all of the laws in the law, which you don't want to do. In verse 18, now it says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. He is in the bosom of the father. He's still there. Okay. Verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John, John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Now I'm going to stop right there. The first thing is you have to understand something that was happening at that time. In Luke chapter 1, there is the story of when the angel visited Zechariah and said, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a son and you're going to call his name John and he's going to be great and he's going to go before the Lamb of God. And, and you can read it in Luke chapter 1. So they have this prophecy and everybody in Israel is waiting for the Messiah. Well, you need to watch my series, my Christmas series to understand all that I'm going to talk about because I'm not going to go into all that right now. But what was happening in Jerusalem at the time that John the Baptist shows up on the scene is that all of Israel was waiting for the Messiah and they all thought it was John the Baptist. No one thought it was Jesus. Part of the reason that they thought it was John the Baptist is because when the wise men came to see Jesus and they departed a different way because of the dream that they had that said that Herod was going to come and kill them and he wanted to take Jesus's life. They left a different way so they didn't have to go back and tell Herod where the child was. Well, Herod, not getting the answer that he wanted from the wise men, sent out mercenaries. And remember, Bethlehem is only like a mile and a half from Jerusalem. And so Herod sent out mercenaries and went to the most likely person that would be the father of the Messiah, and that was Zechariah. Jesus alludes to this later on in the Gospels when he says that the blood of Zechariah, whom you killed between the altar and the wall, is on your hands, and he's talking to the Jews. He's talking about the priest Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. And we know this because in Luke chapter one, it says that John the Baptist was in the wilderness until he manifested 
to Israel. So at this point in John chapter one, oh, excuse me, that was in Luke chapter one. In Luke chapter one, it says that John was in the wilderness until he manifested to Israel. And this is when he's manifesting to Israel in John chapter one. And he's coming and he's preaching repentance. He's preaching repentance and baptism in the Jordan and all of Judea comes out and they think that he's the Messiah. So they start asking him, are you the Messiah? What's really interesting is that they're asking him if he's the Messiah. It says that he confessed and did not deny, but confessed. What's really, really interesting and important to note about that is that John the Baptist at this moment had a choice. He could say, I'm the Messiah because everybody expected that he was. And it was really tempting probably for him to say I'm the Messiah. This man had lived his entire life from birth, from two years old, in the wilderness. He ate wild honey and locusts and he wore camel's hair. And he had been avoiding people his entire life and now the people he was avoiding were basically worshiping him, saying, are you the Messiah? And it says that he confessed, did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. This is so important because I think that when we feel rejected by people, I mean, everybody was trying to kill him when he was a child. They killed his father. And now he has an opportunity to gain power over the same people that were trying to kill him and those people's sons and so on. And he says, I am not the Messiah. The amount of moral fortitude that John the Baptist had in that moment to not take something that was not his is incredible to me. Jesus said that there was none greater than John the Baptist born among women until people who were in the kingdom, in other words, people who got saved after Jesus's advent and resurrection. And that's really important. Please understand that John the Baptist was the favorite. Everybody thought he was the Messiah and he was not the Messiah. I hope that you've learned some things about John the Baptist and about Jesus and about yourself in this little study. I know it's pretty long. I'm sorry for that. Actually, I'm not sorry because this whole month I'm going to be recording good, solid teaching videos because I've done a lot of kind of on the fray superficial videos and the Lord's really moving on my heart to teach the truth in a deep way. Remember that I love you and that Jesus loves you.